I'm here at the Rwavan Moor long-term nitrogen deposition experiment in northeast Wales with Simon Caporn from Manchester Metropolitan University who is one of the lead investigators for this experiment. Good morning to you Simon. Can you tell us a bit more about the history of this site and the experiment located here? Yeah, okay. Well, it's a really cold morning up here, and uh, it's a very wet site as well today. And I started off in about 89. I set this up after being taken on at uh, Manchester University as a postdoc, and we were looking around for a site where we could take some heather moorland that was fairly homogenous. As you can see, it's pretty much monoculture heather. And we were going to look at the, the effect of nitrogen deposition, because at that time, there was, we'd just come out of the period really where all the interest was in acid rain and forest decline. And there were some people beginning to say, particularly my boss at Manchester, well look, there's a, this nitrogen problem that's really a bit undercover and we need to find out some more information about what's the effects of nitrogen on habitats where nitrogen is, is basically limiting, limiting growth and, and, and community development and so on. So. We, we chose this habitat in North Wales because it was a lot cleaner site than nearer Manchester in, in say, in the Pennines. And we started work here on field plots up here, putting nitrogen on monthly. And that's gone on now for just over 30 years, which is an amazing amount of miles that we've uh, driven to get here. That, that's excellent. And what have been the main impacts if you could summarize those from the experiment so far. Yeah, we've kept going and over the years we've had a number of PhDs, we've had some research postdocs. It's been a really useful site for undergraduate and master's projects as well because if you have a site you don't have to create something, you have a resource which relate well to the ECT. Initially we just didn't know what was going to happen when you added nitrogen onto Heathland and after about a, into the second year of addition, we found that the, the, the heather was actually taking off. It was really accelerating the growth. And over the number of years, we found that the heather cycle from immature to building and then degenerate and, and so on, that life cycle of heather that's quite normal, uh, was just being accelerated. And that, I don't know if anyone's ever taken that on, but if you, if you consider how management might change then that's quite important because you could say that management needs to be more often more frequent to keep a, the same sort of heather standard so instead of burning or cutting every 12 years which perhaps is the tradition in Scotland then you might say well I need to cut or burn every 10 years so that was one thing we found and we spent a while looking in this early years at, at things like uh, well how does nitrogen affect the frost tolerance the winter hardiness which this time of year you can begin to feel how that's quite important. So as you go into winter, plants start to harden up. And so there was some concern that, well, the nitrogen might delay hardening because the plants just want to keep growing. But actually we found that during the early winter period, the nitrogen actually increased the level of hardening. And so we took material back to Manchester and we did frost testing. But later on, in the later winter, we found that the plants were becoming more vulnerable to frost desiccation sort of stress. And so, in fact, in the first 10 years of this experiment, we were getting more winter injury in March 
exactly why that happened. I never really worked it out. So it was a combination of things like high light stress, cold temperatures when the soil is frozen and it's quite high evaporation and water loss from the plants. And the nitrogen perhaps brings the plants into growth out of dormancy at an earlier point in the spring. And so we published a paper on that in the 90s. And I think that was one of the quite important developments, actually. So part of the bigger picture of the impact of this experiment is in understanding the resilience of habitats like this dry heath in the face of environmental change. Yeah, and well, one of these things we did, which was very deliberate, actually, which relates to the problems now of, of wildfire, was actually we did a deliberate fire. So after about 11 years, my PhD student at the time, who I want to mention, which is Mike Pilkington, who's now at Moors for the Future, did a fantastic work up here. And he organised a, a managed burn, which I must say was about one of the most exciting days of my working life. <laughs> to be up here when, when thousands of pounds is going up in, in ash, um, in smoke. But it was really, really useful. And, and Mike was following nutrient loss from moorlands and from our experiment. Uh, particularly nitrate and ammonium leaching. And there was an interaction really between the nitrogen additions and the fire. So the nitrogen losses that were happening anyway, as you added more on, were much greater in the short time after the fire, certainly in the, the year or two after the fire. I mean, this has been shown in experiments in, in, in America after clearances of forest. You get more leaching and so on. But it was very useful to see and, and uh, you know, maybe has some sort of implications for, for nutrient runoff and, and turnover in areas where moorlands are going to get hit more by, uh, by uh, climate change related to moorland fires. So now that we're 30 years into this long-term experiment, what are your next steps and immediate priorities for the work here at Ruavan Moor? Well, we've got a current PhD student, Emmanuel, who's from Ghana who obviously loves this climate up here. <laughs> and he is looking particularly at nutrient balance between phosphorus and nitrogen. So one question we have, and we have some plots on this side over here, some new plots that were put in after about 11 years of the original experiment, where we have some phosphorus treatments, because we were concerned that the response to nitrogen could be limited by another nutrient. And like most likely to be phosphorus and um, and yeah we found really interesting changes and and Emmanuel is looking at quite closely at the forms of phosphorus in the soil to try and understand about the availability really of phosphate and basically a lot of the vegetation is very appreciative of, of extra phosphorus particularly when there's extra nitrogen and particularly the lower plants so they seem to go crazy in it really so they seem to be fundamentally both nitrogen and phosphorus limited. And so that really helps understanding about fundamentals of plant-nutrient relationships. And so what's the potential here for people to come and use this yeah, I think it's as a, a research platform and, and, and set up new collaborations with you doing below-ground work, for example? I think they're, they're good. Over the years we've had quite a few collaborators some of them doing below ground work, some of them looking at metabolomics, some looking at mycorrhizal fungi, entricade worms, various various things. And 
there's a vast amount of fairly homogeneous heathland to go at here and the the landowners are fairly amenable and the the nature conservation people as well because it's a triple si site on our plots that we have in front of us the the old plots are only one square meter and the the newer plots from started in 98 they are two by two meters so quite a bit bigger but we are fundamentally limited by the amount of soil that people could take away. So I think studies that can scale down, like microbial studies, certainly we do, we, we've got very little knowledge about what's going on underground here in terms of changes in the microbial community in response to nitrogen. So there's a good resource for that and there's, there is material for that. The other things that we've done here, more with our own project students and so on to look at things like invertebrates, pitfall trapping, invertebrates within the heather itself, and foliage, sort of foliage studies, there because the foliage keeps growing back. You know, there's a number of things, but sort of large-scale removal of soil would, would probably be a bit of a problem. And how would new collaborators go about accessing the sites? Do they contact you? Yeah, it's, a diff it's quite difficult to find, fortunately, in many ways. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd be perfectly happy to take people up here. So it's about an hour and a half from Manchester, up into the Welsh hills, near Wrexham, the other side of Wrexham. Yes, you contact us at Manchester, the Metropolitan University, and we tend to come up roughly about once a month, one of our team anyway. And people will be able to read more about the Raven Moore LTE on our website in the very near future. Yeah, good.